you have to kind of get over that fear because you can't make any money in this business unless you're independently wealthy if you don't borrow money. Mm -hmm. So I think that stops a lot of people that are just not comfortable borrowing money. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Drew Pearson. You are listening to the Pearson Perspective. This is a deep dive into the stories and mindsets of successful business operators and investors. Let's go have some fun. All right, I'm really excited today. I've been looking forward to this conversation all week. I have Mr. Edward Rotenberg here on the show today. Before we get started, Edward, I'd just like to say thank you. Um, you've really been a friend, but more than that, a mentor to me over the last 10 years or so. Um, you've always been an ear I could call to talk and walk through deals. Um, you've invested in some of our opportunities. Um, so before we get started, I just want to say thank you um, for everything you've done. Well, you're welcome. I've always admired you when you were young and starting off, and now I'm a partner in some of your deals, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this will be fun. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this, but I was always just the kid for probably 10 years to you. Hey, hey, kid, what are you doing, kid? And <laughs> at, at a certain point, I, I graduated, so I, I feel honored. But um, Edward's had a lot of success in real estate over the last few decades. Um, why don't you just tell us how, how you got started in the business? All right. Well, I was uh, went to college in uh, Dallas at SMU, and I was an average student at best. And uh, in my senior year, I took a real estate class that uh, caught my attention and actually was one of the few times I paid attention and really tried in school. And then uh, when I graduated, I uh, came back to Baton Rouge, and then I didn't really have any official uh, jobs or interviews. It was different back then, but I just... My dad actually knew three different people. He knew an insurance guy, a banker, and a real estate guy. And he literally set me up and said, go talk to all three of them and see which one you like. And so I, I followed his advice and I ended up liking or was most interested in a opportunity with a guy named Mr. Bob Durham, who was the managing broker at CJ Brown back then, which is by far the biggest company. You know, this was probably in 1984. And I had a relationship with him before and uh, he was a friend and I knew his daughter and family. And anyway, he gave me an opportunity at a young guy in 1984, I believe. And then I went and uh, he asked me to come work for him and I accepted the job. And that's how I started my real estate career. Beautiful. Um, and so it sounds like you started more on the sales side and worked your way over to the investing side. Um how did you have so much success in your in selling of commercial real estate? Because I know that was really a big a big part for you for a long time. Uh, well, let's see. Well, Bob, Mr. Durham was really uh, he was not a trainer and he was a mentor, but really not even a mentor. He just pretty much threw me out there and said, "Good luck." But back then, and I'm sure we'll discuss other topics. There were no young people in this business, so you know now it's a crowded field, and who's ever listening understands it. This is a hot market and everybody loves real estate, but that wasn't the case in 30 years or 35 years ago. So I was like the only guy doing commercial real estate. Literally, if I was 22, no one was under 30. So I was kind of by myself, but, mm -hmm. but the older guys were nice and kind of helped me out. And, you know, Mr. Durham was the head guy, manager broker at Heidel Brown. And that's all there was back then. They were by far the biggest firm. So just kind of gravitated and got a few little leads and started off slow for one or two years. and. Kind of by 86, I made a big deal. My first one ever in Port Allen, speaking of your area. And then yeah. um, that just kind of 
moved me to the next direction and just became a really a successful regular broker broker before I ever got into the investment side. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and, you know, the investments is really what I want to talk with you about today. Uh, I've always been yeah. impressed. It, it seems like you, you kind of have a sweet spot. Um, you seem to like industrial single tenant properties. Can you talk with us? You know, how, how do you kind of think about investment decisions or, or what really kind of scratches your itch? Um, sure. Well, I would say, you know, my soft spot is industrial currently, but I can promise you when I was younger and starting off, that was not the case. I mean, back when you were first starting off, we were retail centers, small office, office buildings on Sherwood that were affordable. So it wasn't all, wasn't always the warehouse world. We just over time moved from multi-tenant buildings that are a lot more effort and more tenants and more turnover to office warehouses because Yes, you're either vacant or you're occupied, but there's the turnover is not as much and there's just less management intensive. So that's kind of how we focused on that particular asset and, and, and stuck, stuck with that. Interesting. So just kind of uh, trial, trial and error, essentially. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, those are still affordable then, but that wasn't near as popular a long time ago. But, the, you know, the baby office buildings and the small little retail strip centers that we developed or bought or invested in. There were just so many of those, you know, back in those deals from the common point on Sherwood where you could buy stuff for nothing. It was a different era. So it, it might not have been good rents, but you, the square foot prices and everything was so different. But over time, you realize that even if you got them at a good number, the tenants never stayed. Expenses went up and it was just it was a difficult way to make money. So we moved to just over time. We started buying all those warehouses and we just realized that was a better for us. It made more sense. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, I've, I've, I've experienced some of those pains in, in some of our properties. Uh, I know it firsthand. One of the things that, um, that I always struggle with a little bit is, is when do you sell, you know, um, real estate's great. It has a lot of great properties. You can, you can pass it down. So essentially you don't have to ever sell this stuff. You've sold assets over the years. Help me understand your thought process if you have one. Um, Okay. I don't know if it's really a thought process. I'm really not a seller. Every time I sell, I'm a reluctant seller. and I get mm-hmm. disappointed because I put so much effort to buy it. But to continue doing deals, you got to move, you know, if equity is required, you got to move from one to another. So I guess I would say that when we do sell or me individually or some partners, I would say the bottom up, we try to sell the buildings that are maybe older or less desirable area that we think is less desirable. It's not always correct, but, uh, and it's also money. If somebody makes you an unsolicited offer and it's not listed, and it's a price that you would have no intention of think would ever pay for it yourself, and you get your attention to think that that's something you should consider selling. Mm-hmm. That so that's kind sense. of our philosophy. Uh, that I mean, we list property that we want to sell, but I'd say ha- most of our sales are more direct. People come to us when it's released or an investment because they want to buy it versus we're actually trying to sell it and then it gets our attention. And then we decide. Do we want to sell it? Do we want to do exchange? Is this a good price, fair price? And if we're ready to take something off the table, we just kind of look at it and think it's a good idea or not. I bet you most of the sales we do are not actually listed for sale, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely does. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned 10, you mentioned exchange, a 1031 tax exchange. Is that important for y'all? I mean, do you, you say, okay, we're not going to sell unless we can 1031, or do you try to figure that out? you know, later? 
Um, that's a good question. I would say it's not as important to me. Other friends and partners are like, they'll never sell anything unless they do an exchange, which that's their prerogative. I, I don't operate like that because honestly, if it's a long, long as it's a long-term gain, it's roughly 20%. I don't mind paying my taxes because I don't want to go rushing to some deal that's not worse than I have and be stuck with a new loan. And just to say, I mean, it might be a significant tax, so it depends. But so I do do exchanges, but I don't have to have it tied up before and have a commitment thereafter. I mean, occasionally we have it where we have something we have on our sites and we do it, but mm -hmm. not every not every deal I do is a, a, anywhere close to being always guided by 1031. This show is brought to you by Pearson Partners, helping families create wealth through self storage. Self storage provides capital preservation, monthly income, and can lower your taxes. We have a team with over 60 years of self-storage experience, and we can help you. To find out more, go to our website, Pearson Partners PE, sign up for our newsletter, or listen to other of our podcasts. It's important for me that you understand how we think and view the world, and this is a great place to start. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that's one of my favorite things about you, Edward, is <laughs> you've kind of simplified the game. It's it's a very complex game with a lot of people and players involved, surveyors and lenders and partners. I mean, you kind of have some loose rules you follow, and it's it's really worked over the decades. It's it's really just <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I mean, it's off the cuff. I would not say my system is 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 is. I won't say it's unprofessional, but it, it's just not your standard corporate world by any means. I mean, it's very independent and it's just me and a few guys and it's, it's not high tech at all, but, but we do have a, our own little system that we stick by. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, over the years you were a broker and you've also gone on to start Siraj Rotenberg, a commercial real estate firm in Baton Rouge. Um, what was the impetus for kind of starting that firm and, and what have you kind of learned about the people side of real estate over the years? Um, let's see. Well, Siraj Rotenberg, we formed that in, I believe, 2011. And it was from a kind of a predecessor of a, a different firm that had kind of people had gone their different ways. And then Hank and I were friends and before, and he was looking to kind of get bigger. So anyway, so we teamed up and hence that started the brokerage firm. And, and honestly, that was more we're friends and we had some guys were working together. And, it's, you know, the brokerage side is, is definitely can be. Money can be made if you run it efficiently and good and, uh, and have good agents. But like everything, you know, agents get high fees and expenses and, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't generate a lot. But what I find in the vehicle of a brokerage company is your agents are always getting listings and getting deals and there there's opportunities. So mm -hmm. I'd say the biggest thing about the owning a firm is you see, well, first you want to help your guys grow and buy deals themselves and be successful agents, but from an ownership, you see a lot of listings if you're interested. I did a lot more when I was younger than I do now. But when I was, but when you own the company, it's just opportunity because there's so many listings in the office. I literally just left a sales meeting to come do your podcast, and they're talking about five deals that are out there, and everybody's going, "Oh, I like that deal." So when you have agents, you just hear about properties that other people may not hear first. Right, pipeline. That's such a great yeah. pipeline. It's a pipeline, and then um, I am not actively involved in the 
I mean, I'm involved in ownership, but I don't run it as that's not my specialty running the company. It's more for my partner. I'm more involved in the investment side and you know, particular properties we own together. But but the brokerage company, you know, owning it is it's a natural start. You're an agent, then you become a broker owner, which is fun. And then usually that leads to start buying properties. It all kind of goes together, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah, it all kind of goes hand in hand. I think you're right. You know, um, Baton Rouge, where you live, has certainly had a lot of growth over the last um, over the last twenty years or so. And what have you kind of seen change in the business, maybe from a market perspective, um, or just the real estate market in general um, over your career? Um. Well, I guess you know, like I said, it's been a long run, thirty-five years approximately. So, uh, you know, the markets change. The area has definitely become different. I'd say half my life is spent in Ascension Parish, and I didn't hardly know where that was 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. that's just my mentor and friend, a uh, guy I want to give him honor, Mr. Marcus Hirsch, who bought a bunch of land over in Ascension Parish. And I was his broker. We were friends. I've known him all my whole life. And then uh, I was his agent broker for about 10 years. And then he started doing a lot of deals over there, and he asked me to come represent him, which I did. And then from there, I just learned that area, that market. And over time, he had developed Gateway and Ashland Road and a lot of successful projects. And then, honestly, he was getting a little bit older, and he his children were not interested in the real estate business. So that mm-hmm. just kind of stumbled on that opportunity. So I started over a few, every year. We'd buy some assets from him, me and a partner, a few different people, and all of a sudden, I owned everything he had. You know, maybe ten years yeah. later. Yeah. So. I mean, that's doesn't, I'm not, that might have been deviant from your question, but I think it's a good, it's, it's, it's a topic that how I got to a market that I really didn't even know it existed. And now I spend half my time in Ascension Parish in Wallace in the industrial quarter. Well, that's awesome. And that's such a great, it's just a non-sexy <laughs> business park mm-hmm. that I'm sure most people drive through and not think twice about, but it's just a bunch of rock star tenants who pay their rent on time and it's, it's awesome. Yes, we're, we're doing a lot of deals over there now. I've been doing it literally since... Uh, I guess I've owned there since 2000. Now we're so 22 years later. I have I still have a lot of stuff there, but that market is continuing to. I don't explode the right word, but it, things are good over there, and in, in the industrial market in general in Baton Rouge is good. But you know, inventory is lacking. But there, we have land there. We have buildings. It's a, it's a good area. Mm-hmm. So you brought up a really good point. Inventory is lacking. Um, you know, there's still demand for a lot of products and businesses. The next logical step for a real estate guy is, well, if we can't buy existing product, let's go build it. It can't be that hard. We'll do a build a suit or we'll build on spec. I see you smiling. You have some experience here. How do you think about build the suits and, and why is it maybe not the best thing um, since sliced bread? Okay, sorry. Um, build the suits are a challenge at best currently. I mean, before I've done them, they were not as, you know, everything's different now. The supply chain, the prices, it is true. They really do cost more. The numbers are harder to make. The land costs are higher. Uh, and of course, now all of a sudden the interest rates are soaring to a, you know, not a terrible number, but a lot, a lot higher than they were six months ago, much less a year ago. So yeah. the suits are obviously, uh, you know, we've done a lot over the years and been successful with them. And, uh, and a lot of times it's not even build a suit. We just buy the land and build a spec building. 
and sometimes it's easier because you just you just design it, and then if they come later, you make some changes. It's not as hard as mm-hmm. actually to build the suit. Um, I see that going to be a little more challenging now, just with the costs and the prices. Hopefully, it'll start coming down, but the interest rates up does not make it easy. But uh, we're active still in it, and uh, we're doing a few spec buildings. And uh, actually, I, I prefer those more than build a suit. I'd rather just design what I think is good and do it versus having to listen to everybody tell me how they want it done. And you don't really get any more rent. It takes a lot longer to do. That's interesting. Look, we all know developers who have gone belly up, especially back in 8, 9, and 10. Um, I guess building on spec doesn't bother you. How, how, how do you think about that? Or how do you kind of mitigate your risk? Well... On the uh, yeah no they're definitely uh, risky investments versus you know standard buying an existing building but you know if you have the equity already or especially if you happen to own the land the benefit of some of the deals we've done we bought the land earlier so when it's paid for that's your equity so the risk is is a lot less mm-hmm. you know if you're just going to buy a lot off industrial plex and pay top dollar you're really not going to expect there that would probably be a bill to sue because you, you just to get the loan and the whole process would be a lot more challenging. But if you own the land like we have for 20 years out there in a, in a market that's good, it's easier to have the equity just to go build a, you know, these aren't crazy big buildings. They're 10 to 15,000 on a two acre site. It's not mm-hmm. nothing substantial. And then you just lease them. And, you know, really, we prefer that versus build a suit. And so, you, yeah, you got to be careful. But if you build a standard kind of building with a yard and only expect to get reasonable market rent, usually it'll be leased over a reasonable time. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I think about from time to time, I've got uh, four kids. I'd love for them to get in the real estate business with me, you know, if they uh, if they were inclined. I know you've got some boys. So uh, how do you think about family getting in the business with you? Well, I think that's a great question as well. And I'm going through that as we speak. You know, I have three children and one lives in Houston and does not have any interest at this time. Another one's still in college and he wants to do big time stuff and other markets and does not care about Baton Rouge. And I have one that I'm hoping. So I'm definitely would like them. They're all involved because they know what we do and buy stuff and all that. Mm-hmm. Thing. But, but I certainly would like in particular, all of them would be welcome, but certainly, you know, I'd love to have at least one come back and be involved in the company and what we've created over here with the, investment side and the and, and just the broker side because they're actually it surprised me the brokerage is, is more than i thought if it's run well you know it's you can do well with it so mm-hmm. i'm all for you know the kids like you said earlier real estate isn't i don't know if it's inherited is the right word but it passes down the properties don't go away you continue to be rented it's not like a i guess a stock is it's a different asset but uh right i think the real estate is uh yeah i would love you know i did not follow my dad's business and no, and one of my brothers actually did. I went on my own route, and then all my well, my children do what they want. But obviously, if they're interested in real estate, I would love to have them at least back in our in our market and with me, and be able to continue what we've done. Yeah, but you can't you can't force them, I suppose. Uh, you know, if, if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. No, I think that leads to the question that I kind of deviated earlier when I did my my mentor. One more shout out to my man who really helped me, Mr. Hirsch. Well, his children had no interest in it. Okay. And so he had two children. Nobody wanted it. Well, I mean, he, you can't just continue doing that if there's no one's going to take over. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, down the road, I may have that crossroads over time with partners too. When you, you know, it doesn't go away, but it's certainly better if you have somebody to help take over your side of the side, your side of the investment part. Right. 
there, there are a lot of details and, um, you know, I's to dot and T's to cross in the business for sure. Uh, yes, I would say, you know, just off the cuff, one point is that it's not an easy, I know it looks easy sometimes when you're doing it, but there's a, you can attest when you're learning this business and getting into it heavily, you know, from the taxes only go up, the insurance is a disaster. I mean, renting these things, it's just, it's not as easy as it looks. I mean, it's once you all get it done and it, all, the rent's collected is great, but the, the, the new word and the cost and expenses, it, it's, it's, it's not easy. And you, there's more work than it looks like. No, there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I've got a tenant who is just non-responsive. Uh, they were just hung out in the building for 90 days after the lease expired or having to evict them. You know, it's just it's bonehead things that you have to deal with. All right. Um, well, Edward, this has been a lot of fun. Why don't we kind of wrap this up, bring it on home. Um, a question I'd like to ask all of our guests is if you could go back and give yourself advice, maybe 15 or 20 years ago, what do you think you'd say? Um, well, I would say that I, I, I mean, when I was just a broker, I was happy and doing great, making commissions, saving money at the time. I was still young, didn't even have children yet initially. So I, I think I was good with that early, early plan. Then I started selling property to some of my friends and investors, and I was like, eh, they're make, I'm making a $10,000 fee, but they're making a you know $100,000. So mm-hmm. that really caught my attention, like about 10 years into the business, that that I'm doing great, but long term, I need to change. So, uh, you know, I don't think it took me 20 years to figure it out. So if I was going back to myself, I, I think the plan I had was good. Maybe I would have bought a little bit earlier, but I didn't have the resources to buy it. And the more I was a successful broker, that helped me be able to be in the game to be able to have the money to start investing. So. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would do much different. I mean, the brokerage company was just the, the vehicle I would, I started up at a, a, a good firm, then eventually went on to another firm that we started together. And then you know, 20 years later, Siraj Rotenberg formed. And, you know, maybe I'd get into buying a little bit earlier, but but not much. I think it was the path that led, led to a good success without being too overzealous. Because in the end, if you're a broker, commissions do help you pay the, pay the bills. And then it leads you to be able an opportunity later on to be able to be a successful investor. Amen to that. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's, it's a great logical progression, which here's a question that I've always scratched my head about. There are a lot of brokers and I don't know the percentage, but very few actually own commercial real estate. The thing they deal in with every day. Why do you think that is? Um, you know, I think that, you know, some guys, and I'm obviously not going to name names, that are extremely successful guys, and they make a lot of commissions and are brokers, and that's just what they do. And I just, they just stick to the, stick to their plan, and it's done well. And then a lot of guys are only trying to buy property and not really be brokers, so it's like kind of a fine line. I mean, I, I think you can, you can do both, you know, and, uh, and I, I said, I love being a broker. I'm still a broker. I'm out listings to this day. And, you know, it, I'm still being a broker. I literally have listings that I'm servicing. You know, not a lot, but a few. Mm-hmm. But um, I think a lot of people, just like me initially, you know, it sounds exciting, but guess what? You got to have the down payment. You have to have the money. And it's also you have the uh, risk reward. I mean, you're borrowing money. This is all leverage. So if you don't, right. if you're scared of make, taking out loans and borrowing money, which initially I was nervous about, wasn't scared, just nervous. You, you have to kind of get over that fear because you can't make any money in this business unless you're independently wealthy, if you don't borrow money. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that stops a lot of people that are just not comfortable borrowing money. Yeah, and you're, you're right about that. Uh, well, so Edward, that's, this my, is, that's my thought. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Well, Edward, this has been a ton of fun today. Um, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to join us, and um, I look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Well, thanks, Drew, for having me. I uh, appreciate it. And uh, it's my first podcast, by the way, and I appreciate you having me. Thank you. You did awesome. All right, man. See ya. Thanks. I will really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you're listening or watching to this show. Thanks so much for joining us on this audio adventure. Let's go have some fun.